In this week's In-Ear Insights, we are starting to take a look at the data published by Scott Brinker and the MarTech Conference on the MarTech, that's called the MarTech 9000, 9,000 different vendors in the marketing technology space offering all these uh, different solutions to your marketing problems. And we thought we'd take some time today to talk about just how many of these solutions there are. So I'm going to go ahead and bring up our uh, very, very quick uh, analysis of the top 40 categories, the number of companies in the MarTech 9000. Now, these are the top 40 categories. And the way you look at this, for example, on line one, uh, sales, automation, enablement, and intelligence, there are 508 companies that offer software to do something in that space. If you go down to line six, CRM, there's 336 different CRM companies. So Salesforce, HubSpot, and so on and so forth. So, Katie, when you see this buffet of marketing technology, what comes to mind? It's too much. It is too much. That is the first thing I thought when we started talking about this last week is these are too many. There's too many choices for people. And what I can't wrap my head around is if there are 508 sales automation enablement and intelligent platforms what's the what's the difference between all of those things you know aside from they're not going to tell you the price or the features on the website so they're going to force you to get on the phone with a sales guy to do a demo to find out within 30 seconds that you don't need this thing that it doesn't answer any of your questions like to me this is bonkers nine thousand different pieces of software to solve a problem it is to like as a decision maker i sit here and i'm like well how do i know if what i'm currently using is the best of the best how do i stay up to date so if we just pick one category one category still has over 50 options there is nothing on here that has less than 80 options to pick from and it's overwhelming so that's my takeaways it is overwhelming chris it is. And in fact, um, Scott and the team have this really fantastic interactive website called MarTech Map, um, which allows you to just get a very quick sense of, of what's in here. You do have to register for a free account. Uh, but let's take an example. Let's take something like uh, Public Relations, our old standby from <clears throat> our, our former agency. Life. And what you can see is as no, there's 82 categories and then just, you know, icon after icon after icon of company after company uh, in that space. So when we look at this chart, um, that really is. There's 81 different companies and solutions in in just that category alone. So yeah, there there is definitely a lot of stuff in here. So to so of course, you know, I'm guessing that one of the questions you're going to ask Chris is, well, where do we start to narrow it down? And the first place you start as the person who has to narrow it down is to do your own set of business requirements, your use cases, your needs and wants and prioritize those by must have and nice to have. So, you know, for example, with PR, you know, maybe I say, you know, it must have some sort of AI built in that will, you know, write my pitches for me. And then it also must have something that will actually do the pitching for me. You know, those might be must haves. And if there's nothing out there that solves that problem, well, then I have to keep moving on. Or do I have to change my own set of requirements and expectations? And so you have to do your due diligence first before you can even 
start poking around. I think that Scott's uh, tool on the website, on the MarTech site, is actually really handy. The problem I see with this, though, is that it can be very, still very overwhelming and confusing if you don't have your requirements set ahead of time. Because you might be like, oh, well, I could use that too. And oh, you know what? That would be cool. Oh, what about this? And so it's, it's a helpful tool to understand what's in the box, but it's not helpful if you don't have your set of requirements set up ahead of time. It is. I, I'm just personally amused at the number of um, PR company, PR tech, MarTech companies in here that have just PR as the logo. Like, okay, uh, clearly there needs to be you know, some graphic designers in the space to bring a little <laughs> diversity to it. Um, and again, you know, uh, the the team at uh, at Chief Martech is is just trying to provide a portal so people can see just a sense of the the size of the landscape. It's not a vendor review site by any means. You know, they will point you towards a place like G two um, mm -hmm. for more apt comparisons. This is literally just here's marketing technology uh, out there. So yeah, you're right. The user story and the requirements gathering is absolutely essential to just to make sense of you know how bonkers this this landscape is. <clears throat> the thing that stands out to me is how duplicative some of this has to be. You know, mm -hmm. when you think about a CRM, a CRM is pretty straightforward. We've had CRM technology for what 25 years now. Um, and the fact that there's still 336 companies in the CRM space. Now, there's you know, obviously a lot of uh, new startups. There's open source ones like Sugar CRM and stuff in there. There's the, you know, the traditional heavyweights like Salesforce. But yeah, 336 seems like a lot of choices. Um, and I can't imagine that even with the best review sites, there's a way to easily you know, put out an RFP to all 336 companies. Well, and this is the part that I'm struggling to understand, um, and, you know, and maybe the same could be this could be said about us as we started our company. Why would someone willingly go into an already saturated market with what they feel is a new piece of technology? How can you, you know, and, you know, credit to the, you know, MarTech team. I don't know how or how many hours or weeks or years it takes to collect all this information. And that's, you know a larger team that has the resources to do so as a startup you may not have the resources to to really understand okay of the 336 crms on the market what's the one or two features that are missing that i can then provide to disrupt the market like that's where my mind instantly goes when i see something like this of why would anyone in their right mind want to compete in this space as we sit here in our you know marketing consulting agency because we're also bonkers we are but i mean it, it, when we think about what we have to offer we have to offer uh, uh complementary perspectives on the space you have that you know hardcore analytics and data science and ai and machine learning but you also have the human organizational behavior change management uh, and management consulting and those are things that you don't you normally don't see blended in in consulting firms you see them you sometimes in separate divisions in a big consulting firm like a mckenzie for example would have uh, that probably in separate divisions or separate teams and in smaller consulting firms you might just have a single point of focus um the the thing that we see for ourselves is that you know there's th those things to complement each other and so you're better off having both rather than just having you know one or the other when we think about the software side of things in, in these different marketing technologies i mean there's for sure, there's there's you know, pricing is a huge differentiator. 
Um, and so probably one of the easiest to differentiate on, like what can you afford? If you can't afford more than $300 a month, it doesn't matter how cool, you know, a salesforce.com is, you can't afford it. Um, how much of the burden do you want to take on? If you are running something like Sugar CRM, you have decided that you are totally okay with administering your own servers. Um, you know, we are that way with Modic, the Modic, the Mar Modic uh, marketing automation system. That's open source. For five bucks a month, we run a system that you know has some almost similar capabilities to like a HubSpot, for example, or a Marketo. But the trade-off is that you need substantial technical expertise to, to make the thing work. Once you've got that part down, then you can reap the savings. So it does always come back to not only requirements, but what capabilities you have and, and what you can use. There's a number of analytics tools when you think about it that, again, depending on your level of sophistication, dictates what you're going to use. There's, you know, there's tools, for example, like Adomo that... I find kind of you know, not as not as helpful to me because I have the technical expertise needed to do what I want without needing it to, to sort of massage everything. For a company where you didn't have somebody who uh, had a, a, a programming background in R or Python, it might be just the thing. So it, it's a lot of capabilities gathering too. And it, it makes me think back to, you know, the companies that are just starting out the startups like we were a few years ago trying to make those decisions of what do we need to hit the ground running um you know and it you know obviously that depends on the kind of company you're building but to your point chris it really is that capabilities trade-off so let's say i were starting trust insights and didn't have you know a chris pen involved that would have drastically changed what my martech stack looked like because of my technical capabilities versus Chris's or your technical capabilities. So for instance, I would not have gone with a modic for my marketing automation because I have no desire to run my own server and to fix code every time we launch a newsletter. You, for some silly reason, enjoy doing that. And you know, until we run out of time for you to be able to do that, we will continue to operate that way. But at some point, it won't be sustainable. And we will have to look at, let's see, where's email on here? Um, you know, one of the, you know, hundred some odd, you know, systems that do that marketing automation to send out. So marketing email. automation is 337 choices. Oh, so no big deal. So that's an easy decision. <laughs> but as, as, if I were starting out, and I didn't have someone who could run their own server, that's what I would need to be doing is, you know, I would have to say, how much money do I have to spend? How high of a priority is, you know, marketing automation for me? You know, what capabilities do I have? And let me start to narrow it down of the 337 choices I have presently, which, you know, by the time, you know, people wrap their head around the MarTech 9000, it's going to be the MarTech 11,000. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Um, and I guess the, the, the question then to ask is, with a lot of these things, it almost seems like companies would benefit from having almost like bundles, right? 
So like for a startup with no technical expertise, here's the systems and services that are probably going to be a good fit for you. For a mid-sized company, here's the systems and services that are probably going to be a good you know, a good fit for you. For an enterprise, here's the systems and services. Because, you know, for example, like access control lists and granular access control, you need that in an enterprise. You don't need that in a three-person consulting company, right? Because in a three-person consulting company, if you have access control issues, <laughs> then something's gone really wrong in your partnership. Um, whereas, you know, half of our MarTech is like Google Sheets um, because that, that's where we are in, in um, an organizational management perspective. So mm -hmm. a lot of those things, I think, would probably have some benefit. Now, if we look at also the, the technologies that the, the top 40 most used, um, mm -hmm. we do see some commonalities. So we look, you see here, Google Analytics, 8,000 different uses. So this is instead of, so what we did with this was instead of looking at the MarTech map of products, we said, let's take all 9,000 companies by their domain name and see what common marketing technologies they're using. So this is sort of the MarTech of the MarTech companies. So what we see is out of the 9,000 companies in, in the MarTech map, 8,000 of them use Google Analytics, right? That is an overwhelming vote of, I guess, confidence in the technology, even with the, you know, the, everything going on with Google Analytics 4. It's still the most popular marketing technology within this cohort. And we did this, gosh, I want to say a couple of months ago for the Fortune 1000. And even in the Fortune 1000, Google Analytics still the most popular marketing technology. And so what we see here is that even for a lot of you know these advanced companies they're all still using really a, you know a dozen or so very very common applications and so from a um a skills perspective and from a jobs perspective and a hiring perspective these are the technologies that you want to make sure you know if you're a marketing technologist and if you're a, a marketer who's running a company or a division of a company these are the skills that you're probably going to want to hire for. What's interesting to me, and this is sort of what you were just talking about, Chris, was the uh, the different packages based on how big the company is that you're starting, or even if you currently work at one. And so to me, I know off the top of my head, you know, the first dozen or so of these products are not on the going to break the bank end of the spectrum. There's definitely a couple in there, but the larger systems like a Salesforce does offer different tiers, you know? And so it is interesting to me, um, but not surprising that the products that are used, the systems that are used the most are on the less expensive side uh, of the spectrum. I mean, it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Google Analytics, unless you're using Google Analytics 360, it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you time and expertise, but it doesn't, hit your bottom line in terms of an expense. The same with Tag Manager, the same with Google Apps. Facebook Advertiser is an interesting one because we know from working, from doing work ourselves, but also with our partners, the cost of Facebook ads is really low compared to other advertising systems. Now, the quality of the information you get back is going to be different. And it's sort of you get what you pay for, but you know, again, it's an affordable way to drive awareness. And then you start to, you continue to go down the list and the affordability of each of these things starts to change. But it is interesting to see, you know, where people go first, what they trust the most. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I would say let's let's run down the list here in terms of cost, right? So Google Analytics and Tag Manager free, Google Apps is relatively inexpensive, WordPress is free, um, Salesforce can get expensive, Facebook advertisers pay as you go, Cloudflare starts at free, Route Fifty Three is an Amazon service for uh, DNS, and that is pay as you go. Uh, AppNexus is a programmatic advertising company, so that's pay-as-you-go. Nginx is uh, a web server, and that one, I don't remember what Nginx's costs are, but it, it does have a cost. I don't think it's a ton. HubSpot starts slow cost and then becomes reassuringly expensive very quickly. Uh, Recapture uh, is, is uh, freemium. I believe there's basic, uh, and then it, it goes up. Office 365 is like 100 bucks a year per person. Um Pewik is now called Matomo, and that is a Google Analytics alternative. It's open source, so that can be relatively low cost. Like we pay, uh, I think five bucks a month for it. Uh, Apache is a web server. That one is free. Uh, the software itself is free. YouTube is free. Exchange is email, which is uh, part of Exchange server. That one can get expensive. Facebook Connect is free. Outlook is Outlook.com is free. Hotjar is. Eh, they have a freemium model, but yeah, a lot of these. You're right. You know th this. When you think about it, this is almost like the blueprint for a tech startup. Like these mm -hmm. are the, com the companies that, as a tech startup, you would want to probably have in your pocket. Well, and this tells you, you know, I know that these are the systems that are using this technology, but the likelihood that other marketers, other companies are also using all of this technology is pretty high. It makes sense. Oh, definitely. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's really what we see, you know, across the board. Um, you know, when you look uh, at, at uh, you know, Series B funded companies, the top technologies, um, we did that uh, research. Uh, same, same, you know, kit: Tag Manager, Analyst, Google Apps, Route Fifty Three, WordPress, Salesforce, and so on and so forth. It's, uh, you know, these are again, these are different startups, but it's still all essentially the the startup blueprint. So one of the things that I think is valuable about these types of uh, analyses is if you have a known set of companies that are are peers to you, you can use this type of data to understand, you know, almost what the hiring pool is going to be like because you know what the most common marketing technologies are. And so, if you are like these are this is literally the startup toolkit right here. If you are a startup, you're going to be using Tag Manager, Google Analytics, you know, maybe Route WordPress, almost certainly Cloudflare, almost certainly. If you're not using those services, I would I have questions for you. Um, and then from there, you can look at analyses of different companies up the food chain up until you get to enterprises and say, okay, well, what do enterprises use? And that again would would dictate some of your hiring. Well, and, you know, so to go back to the original question of, you know, why do we need all these different technologies? Well, the, I mean, the answer, Chris, is pretty clear is that you don't, you don't necessarily need to, you know, wade through all of the different technologies. The folks over at MarTech have done that for you. Um, and again, you know, bless them for doing all of that research. That's, it's a lot of research, 9,000 different systems to understand you know, every square inch of those systems and what they do, they've done that work for you. And when you start to look at the top used technologies, then okay, in terms of, you know, website tracking systems, well, Google Analytics seems to be the standard. Um, what should I build my website on? Well, it looks like web, you know, WordPress seems to be the standard. Now, you still should evaluate whether or not those are the right options for you. But it definitely starts to narrow down that list and make it a heck of a lot less overwhelming.
And I think that's a really interesting uh, point because on the one hand, if you build with the most common tools, hiring you know, uh, internally or hiring an agency, you know, asking an agency, hey, do you have experience with Google Analytics and Salesforce is probably not going to be a heavy lift, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have somebody asking for, say, Adobe Analytics, right? Um, uh, or uh, uh, something like Zendesk or something, it might be a little bit harder to find. You know, someone who has Matomo and Modic experience might be a little bit harder to find. But the flip side of the, uh, that coin is, do those lesser known marketing technologies offer some kind of competitive advantage that the mainstream ones might not? You know, are they, are they in some way better um, that just hasn't caught on yet and that could give you an advantage, but at the trade-off of it being very hard to hire people for them? It's funny you say that, Chris, because I was actually going to you know, make the opposite point is that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you have in your tech stack. It's what you do with the information you get out of it. So whether or not you're using Matomo or Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics kind of doesn't matter because if you don't have the skill set to make the data actionable and pull out those insights, it doesn't matter what system you're using. And so it really needs to be based around what, uh, to your point, Chris, what capabilities do I have, not just to stand up the technology, but to do something with it. So the way that I look at that is, you know, I don't see using one system or or another necessarily as a competitive advantage if you don't have anyone to do something with the information. That's your competitive advantage. Yeah, so essentially, this is the appliance aisle at Home Depot, right? Mm -hmm. And you can have 336 different types of stove, but if you can't cook, (laughs) then it doesn't matter what stove you get. (laughs) Yeah, if you put, if you install you know, a chef quality kitchen in your house, but you still can't boil water, it doesn't matter. It's not going to do it for you. It might at that price, but then you're just going to have really hot water. (laughs) So given that backdrop, then how do you, how do you decide which vendor to go with? Right? Because one of the vulnerabilities there then is the big one is the people you have on staff, um, it, what they are comfortable working with and, and what they can get results out of. Um, if that's the case, how do you how do you make a good choice for now that also allows you to grow? Because it may turn out, you know, for example, with uh, we'll use Modic as an example. Um, mm-hmm. If I decide I'm going to become, you know, live in the backcountry and become a, a counter revolutionary. Uh, <laughs> happen at that hmm? it could happen it could happen um at that point what we could do as a company with modic would be different because mm-hmm. we wouldn't have access to those those skills i'd be you know on the grid once a month when i'm not you know trapping raccoons or whatever um right. <laughs> if you are a company say like like our last agency that we worked at, um, we provided a lot of the marketing technology expertise internally. And when we left, a lot of things immediately broke. How do you plan for, for situations like that? This is where I would bust out uh, my five P's of change management, because what you're talking about is change management. So I would start with my purpose, then people, process, platform, and performance. I would do this a couple of ways. So I would do it for where I am today, what I have without changing anything, without hiring, without, you know, 
having to train up on new skill sets. So here's the current state. So this, what do I have? What is my purpose? My purpose is I need to get a newsletter out the door. Who are the people? Well, I just happen to have someone on my team who can run their own server and troubleshoot code. Great. What is the process? Well, we want to aim to run this newsletter once a week. So it has to be written and then it has to get out there. Um, you know, what's the platform? Well, we can use Modic for this because we have someone on the team who can do it. And then we have the performance, which is, is the email getting delivered? You know, are people opening it? So on and so forth. So that would be my analysis of the right now. And then I, I can start thinking of my, you know, one, three, five and 10 year goals of where I want to be. So if I know that Chris's goal is to pull back from his responsibilities of running Modic uh, and have something more automated, then I can say in one year, these are the these are the way that the five P's need to change, that my purpose needs to be, I still need to send out a, a newsletter. Great. Who are the people? This is where I'm probably going to spend the most of my time because it's a skills piece. It's the experience. It's the capabilities. And so here's what I have right now. Here's what I'm going to need in order to allow Chris to step back. So I either need to replace Chris's role with someone who has identical skill sets or is it an opportunity to introduce a new kind of a system? And so you continue to go through that 5P analysis process and you start to build out like, here's where I am right now. Here's where I want to be, you know, five years from now and in the middle, what's happening. And that's where you start to build that roadmap of, we need to build up the skills. We need to evaluate vendors. We need to reevaluate what our KPIs are. Do I care more about having a larger list or do I care more about my open rate? And so, you know, one KPI might dictate the kind of software that I choose to implement. Yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, I've seen people ditch marketing automation systems in, in favor of a, a, a simpler email marketing system because, like, yeah, we don't use all this other stuff. It costs us money. It's overly complex. And all we want to do is send out an email newsletter. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, that's part of the reason why the MarTech 9000 is as crazy as it is. There are a lot of individual point solutions in there. And a lot of the time, those point solutions can find favor when you just want to do one thing really well and you know you don't have the, the team or the, the skills to be able to do everything. And, you, you know, frankly, you don't need it. You know, for example, you don't need the workflow management stuff and, you know, approval processes or drip campaigns. And you're like, we barely have time to send out our newsletter as it is, uh, as an example. So I think that's, uh, again, part of the MarTech evaluation process is figuring out what's the minimum that we want to get done and are we better off with a point solution that lets us do one thing really well um or are we better off with a swiss army knife which is you know you can kind of do a bunch of things sort of half-assed well and i think that that goes you know into your roadmap planning for your martech stack and what you want you know your company to be able to do and provide and so to your point chris you start with here's where i am today Here's the minimum that I need in order to achieve my goals. And then you can say six months from now, I might need to change vendors. Well, that's probably going to be a pain in the butt. So I should probably get all the bells and whistles now. Not necessarily. As long as you make that change management plan to migrate from one system to another and you're expecting it and you've done your due diligence, it doesn't need to be that big of a deal. So why 
pay all the money right now for something you're not going to be using for the next year. All those bells and whistles, quite honestly, can be a distraction. Um, you know, so I think at some point, you know, we will likely upgrade from Modic to some other kind of marketing automation system. But right now, we don't need all the bells and whistles. We just need the email to get out the door. And, you know, Modic, for all intents and purposes, is kind of just one step up from me literally just emailing everybody from my personal account, which, <laughs> to be honest, is fine, because that's all we need right now. It's all we need. We don't need all the other things, because we don't have time to fuss with those things. Exactly. Now, I would say the flip side of that, though, is before you go and buy another marketing technology solution, take a look at what you've already bought because it might have the feature you were looking for and it you just didn't read the documentation, didn't know it was in there. Or, you know, as in our case, you just haven't had the time to invest in learning it. But chances are, for at least for a lot of the bigger, more successful pieces of software, free or not, mm -hmm. The feature is probably in there. I saw something the other day. Someone was selling a, this, you know, eighty-nine dollar a month service um, to you know, identify, you know, top performing landing pages. And like, you can do that in Data Studio for free. You, you don't need to pay eighty-nine dollars a month for that. And this is where the trade-off comes in. Do I want to do it myself, or do I want the system to do it for me? So yes, you can do that in Data Studio, but you have to set up the analysis yourself versus a system that will identify the pages for you. And that comes down to that trade-off that you were talking about, Chris, about those capabilities of, do I have the technical skills or do I just need it to be delivered to me, you know, without me really thinking about it? And those are all the decisions that you, as the end user, have to make. That's true. It's true. However, that said, you know, if there, you do want to be able to to do that yourself. Uh, we will, will relentlessly uh, uh, promote our <laughs> Google Analytics 4 course. <laughs> um, it, Google Analytics 4 is one of those crazy good pieces of software that is uh, unnecessarily difficult to use and has way too many things tucked away that places it shouldn't be. Uh, but uh, take our course and perhaps save yourself some money um, on buying MarTech solutions you didn't need to buy. If you got comments or questions about anything in today's episode, feel free to drop by our Slack group with over 2,400 other marketers asking and answering each other's questions every day. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you there. And wherever it is you watch or listen to this show, uh, if there's a channel you'd rather have it on, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast, and you can find it on most uh, podcast distribution services. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.